How, what do you make of the new setup, the lights, the and you're turning up as if you've just trained with the two Jordy? I'm leaving again for another six episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Right, well, since we're all back together again, we should probably get started. We've done the whole pretending not to be pals thing, so the fact you actually dislike me is irrelevant. Um, so we're good to go, Alistair? Yeah. Okay. Hi everybody, welcome to Talking Lower League. Final fixtures in the Premier Sports Cup, how the lower league sides got on. But most importantly this week, we're going to be focusing on the big kickoff this weekend, 31st of July, the SPFL lower leagues kick back off. We're going to be picking some of our favourite fixtures that are coming up this weekend. We're going to be chatting about obviously where we'll be this weekend as well. And to finish off the show, we are going to be talking about the price of lower league football as well. The guys know as well as I do there's been a lot of discussion this week about the price of lower league football. Are people being priced out? Is it because of COVID? What's going on ultimately? So as ever, a jam-packed show on Talk on Lower League and we're all back together again. Emotional. You emotional? I'm always emotional. You emotional? No. Let's just get started. Right, um, Guys, in all seriousness, it is actually lovely to, to be back, the three of us, again. The first time we're doing this in person since, what, February, March 2020? Yes, um, obviously, Ross Gray, to the right of me. Um, that'll probably come up at the bottom, in case you don't know. Um, and Alistair Sloss. Ali, how are you feeling about being back in person? You look relaxed, you look comfortable, despite your new surroundings? Excited. I can also just point out that this will be their left. Sure, right. So this will be the person that's watching. This will be their left. So you'll be their left. I will be their left. I just thought that would throw you off. That was all the reason I said it. So okay. So anyway, we've got Ross there and we've got Ali here, um, and we've got loads to get through. So let's get started. As we said at the top of the show, we're going to have a quick chat about the final round of games that took place in the Premier Sports Cup um, and just have a bit of a quick chat around um, how some of the lower league sides got on and maybe what were some of the kind of eye-catching results from from the weekend. Um, if it's okay with you guys, I don't know why I'm asking because I'm going to do it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to kick us off um, and just um, before we get into this as well, you'll see in our a very official commercial ad uh, this week as well that uh, Ross and I were actually on Grant Campbell's Campbell's Football's podcast as well, looking ahead to the season. Um, so that should be out by the time you're you're watching or listening to this. So head over to his channels and and listen to that. Listen to us talking nonsense, not just here obviously, but on other people's things as well. Um, and the result I wanted to pull out, and the reason I brought this up is because a certain Ross Gray predicted that this side would actually win the championship this season and if anybody that's watching you can see his face right now and the result I want to talk about is Hamilton 2, Albion Rovers 2, Hamilton winning 6-5 on penalties um, not only that but they were 2-0 down to Albion Rovers at home 
as well. Ross, why do you think Hamilton are going to win the championship? I just do. You just because, do? Because, as, as I said on Campbell's Footballs, I think that Scott Robinson is the strongest striker that Kelly have signed so far. And I don't see that being enough to win them a league. I think that the Aki's team have consistency. Yes, you can argue that they weren't good enough to stay in the, the Premiership, but a lot of young guys coming through, a lot of exciting talent. Um, and as I've said before, I really like the football that Brian Rice wants to play at Hamilton. So I just think that'll be enough to carry on through. Ali, what are you making of Hamilton this season? I think they've got to bounce back uh, successfully. Uh, whether that means consolidating a uh, playoff pay place and pushing on to next year or trying to get promoted to the first term. Uh, I, I agree with Ross, I think they've got a really good core, they've, they're, they're, they've, they've got a lot of good young players, some experience and uh, guys that have uh, probably been down at this level before as well, so it's all, all looking good. I think, I get exactly what you, I quite like Brian Rice and the way that he tries to play football, it's a very kind of long term thing, we were talking about kind of long term visions on last week's podcast and how important it is for, for lower league clubs to have them. Especially because, you know, it's usually the kind of six-month, one-year deal type turnover thing, whereas Hamilton giving Brian Rice the new deal despite the relegation as well shows that they are confident in his ability to rebuild a, a competitive team. Obviously, it was expected that they were going to lose Odofin as well. Looks like he's away down south to Rotherham. It's certainly at the time of recording. Anyway, that's looking the most likely destination. Um, so hopefully, and I think a lot of Hamilton fans have been saying this as well, they need... Despite having that core, they do need more reinforcements, I think. And I think using the cash that they get from that will be so important over the first few weeks of the season to, to kind of reinvest. Um, on the flip side of that, though, going back to this result, Albion Rovers, um, we spoke on Grant's podcast as well. I think Albion Rovers could be a bit of a surprise package in League 2 this season. Um, Ali, we know, obviously, in the last year or so we've spoken quite a lot about Albion Rovers and they're kind of tussle with Breakin. Breakin aren't there anymore but do you think Brian Reid could have a bit of a better season this season? I thought they were decent last season. Yeah they finished quite strong last season uh, got in a good position in League 2 and it's about taking that energy and bouncing on obviously this is going to be a full season last season obviously very different uh, Covid uh, stripping the season down could they have lasted up the distance could they have done more with the distance that's the questions I'm going to have to ask, but I think I'll be like you say with Albion Rovers. Uh, the good thing for them is that people don't actually expect a lot from them. So uh, going in with that mentality, looking to take a few scalps and maybe cause a few upsets. Yeah, I think it's possible Albion Rovers could finish maybe sixth, fifth. I was actually going to say that I was like you'd probably bite your hand off after the last few seasons for a nice mid-table finish. To be honest, um, Ross, was there any other games in particular in the League Cup that stood out for you? Yep, so team two teams that we talked about a lot on Campbell's Footballs and I think we'll be talking about a lot this season um, the score for me was still an Albion 3, Peterhead 1 at 4th Bank um, I think that we both and I'm sure Ali will agree, I think still an Albion are in with a great shout in the title in League 2 one of a number of teams I think this year um, recruited really well um, former Clydeman, Martin McNiff scoring, a uh, uh, fan favourite shall yep. we say. Yep. Um, playoff hero playoff hero. Yep. I think that still in Albion, as I say, have recruited really well. I think that Kevin Rukovic has had almost the kind of longevity that some managers in League 2 don't tend to get. Um, has built a good squad. Yes, they've brought in a good number of players, but I think they've still got a vast majority of the squad that have had the last couple of years, so they've got that consistency. 
I think that now they've reinforced well in all areas. I think they're, they're looking strong. Peterhead on the flip side will be disappointed with this result. Um, but looking at the stats, you know, a very open, even game. Both teams really going for it. So for all Peterhead will be disappointed to maybe lose this game. I think they will be absolutely fine um, in League One this season. Yeah, I do. I think they'll be absolutely fine as well. Um, you know, got that experience. A really, really good core of players. Obviously, we spoke about core probably be the buzzword that comes up in this podcast but they do actually have a good core of players and that experience in there as well plenty of buzzwords been thrown out um, and let's be honest any team with Eamon Grant in the middle of the pack is going to be up at the top end of the pitch I knew that was coming top end of the league at the same time as well um, just a couple of a quick things as well um, Ali I'll get your thoughts as well Queen of the South running out 4-1 winners over Airdrieonians obviously um, Airdrie incredibly impressive result beating local rivals Motherwell 2-0 in the, the game before two fucking unbelievable goals as well um, quite a, exciting kind of young talent coming through Airdrie as well obviously just goes to show in that Motherwell game and um, obviously our, all of our good pal um, Rowan obviously big Airdrie Onions fan he watched the game on Saturday and just said you know it was night and day in a bad way obviously <laughs> in comparison to the Motherwell game they just looked as if their heart wasn't in it. They, he had, and I'm sure other Airdrie fans thought that this was a perfect opportunity. If they picked up the win, there was a great chance of them progressing. And Queen of the South just ran them riot. I mean, is inconsistency going to be a problem again for Airdrie in League One, do you think? I thought that was actually going to say, I think, that Ian Murray's legacy so far at Airdrie has been inconsistency. Yep. Uh, squandered opportunities, especially the, the season where... They, they get cut short and Wraith Rovers ended up getting promoted the Airdrie yeah. uh, were one of the teams at the top that kept surrendering that top spot uh, last season as well there were times it looked like it was all coming together and then for it to fall apart and then come together and fall apart uh, and again this has been the story of the League Cup campaign it seems to be that for the kind of games where it, it's easier to get motivated then you get motivated and for the games where it's not so much maybe that's where it's sticking in yeah. a wee bit uh, just trying to find that consistency for Airdrie I think uh, personally that this has got to be Murray's last chance yeah. this season Definitely. to do anything with Airdrie I, I, I think uh, they should aim for the playoff final at least and if not then maybe time to reconsider that position He's probably not going to get a better chance let's be honest to even go for the title this season yeah. You know, we were we spoke about that last week, and obviously on the Grant's podcast as well. Grant's podcast is getting some amount of can shout outs already. We just started this, um, but we did speak about it. You know, we spoke about the fact that League One perhaps maybe is not as as top heavy as it has been before, yep. and it's more wide open perhaps at the top end. Ali's back a week, and he's already. You think League One's still top heavy? I don't mean inside. I don't mean to like tower over you here, but I think uh, personally, League One's top four picks itself. Go for it. Queens Park, Falkirk, Airdrie, Cove. Any order. Right. Okay. So you went from it picks itself to then. Okay, I've just given you four teams, and yeah, they'll finish anywhere. Yeah, but my point being. Put your, put your cards on the table. My point being the top four picks itself. Anything after that is what I think the rest of the pack are chasing. Personally, I think. Uh, Cove are going to win the league well I actually agree with him but as a wee side thing not in this podcast but as a wee side thing so keep an eye on our social media channels we still need to get Alistair's full predictions and 
we have punishment. a punishment for Alistair as well if he is the worst of us this season. So not in this podcast, so keep an eye on our social media channels because that is going to come out separately. Uh, you know I've known me for a long time and you know that uh, shame isn't a punishment for me. <laughs> so you have to think about it. going to have to aim high. Think about We're going to have to aim very, very yeah. high. We've got a rough idea, but that might change after you're being nonchalant about the top four of League One. Um, right, guys, obviously um, it's time to get to the next part of the show, which is looking ahead to the big kickoff in the SPFL lower leagues. Championship, League One, League Two, all kick off on Saturday. All three o'clock kickoffs. Hopefully, as many fans as possible back in the grounds, including us, um, as well supporting our team. Let's start with the championship. Um, Ross, I'm going to come to you if that's okay. Um, I'm sliding my phone forward in case you ever be nosy as well. The fixtures. Um, don't say I'm not good to you. Um, is there a particular fixture that stands out for you? Um, yeah, for me it's Arbroath versus Inverness at Gayfield. I have said, I think, on both our podcast and Grant's, here's another plug, um, that I don't know what to expect in Inverness this season. I think that the recruitment has been interesting, in a word. Um, but I think I think they could be a kind of unknown commodity, almost. Um, we know what Arbroath can do. We know that teams don't like going to Gayfield. We know that you know, they use every part of the ground to their advantage, use uh, kind of... The waves? The waves. <laughs> Nature itself. Nature itself, um, yeah. You know, it's, it's Dick, Ma- Dick Campbell, sorry, he's the ocean master, but... Yeah. I think that's a conversation for another podcast, but... We'll agree to disagree. Um, yeah, I, I'm very interested to see, you know, if Inverness are still kind of gelling and they're still trying to get that cohesion, I think this could be an early winner for our growth. You know, they've still very much got the squad that they've had success with over the last couple of years. Um, as we always say, you can never write off a Dick Campbell team, but just a big question mark for me as I say is Inverness, so I can't call the game. I, th- I think it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. I actually do fancy our growth in this one, to be honest, especially at home. They, I think they'll look at this and go, this is the perfect chance to get a big three points on the board. Um because obviously I do think that there's a slight unknown commodity about our growth, which is probably the opposite of what you would actually usually say about our growth, but I do think in this championship, I, I just don't know how it's going to go. People are predicting they're going to finish bottom, people are predicting they're going to be just outside the playoffs. I think they might be in between that, to be honest. Um, you know, I, th- I do think they will be okay this season. Um, I don't know if it's just a Dick Campbell loving, as ever, on Talking Lower League, but... I'm confident they will be okay, um, and I do think they'll fancy the, the three points here. Um, before I come to you, Ali, um, just quickly, a game that really stands out for me, um, Wraith Rovers against uh, Ross Gray's champion-elect Hamilton Academical. Um, two sides that will be thinking that they should at least be in the playoff picture this season. Um, I think that Wraith Rovers have really solidified their backline, not that it was bad last season, I think the combination, potential combination this season of um, Tom Lang, obviously, friend of the podcast, um, coming in at the back from an injury, looks as if he's been getting some game time before the kickoff, alongside a very impressive Christoph Berra. Um, he's had a very good summer and a good pre-season for Wraith. I think that combination could be good. Obviously, you've still got Kyle Benedictus there as well. Um, you know, We mentioned, um, we've spoke a lot about Raven Tumulty as well, I think he's absolutely fantastic. I think that back line's great. Maybe I'll, 
not quite convinced by them as much going forward this season. Um, but I do still think they will believe that they should be up and around that playoff. Um, and I think it's a very, very tough start for for Hamilton. Um, and it'll be very interesting. It's probably actually, this game's probably a few weeks early for them. Because I think they'll probably want to bring in some reinforcements from the Old Offen money as well. Um, so yet again, wouldn't surprise me to see Vith Rovers um, kind of being victorious in this game. Um, Ali, what about you? You can agree with any of our games, or have you got another one? The fixture computer pulling its usual tricks for the first game of the season, throwing in what must be the first Ayrshire derby in the league for a very long time. Yep. Isn't it funny how that happens? Is that, is that, like, well, day one, day one. It was parted v Clayton day one. I know. And there's also another derby later on in the league as well. Um, yeah, Air, Air versus Kilmarnock, I Air are, are for me going to be a very unknown prospect this season. Uh, obviously they've went full Morton, which is really funny. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I like it. Morton have went through a, a rebrand. Getting Jim Duffy on board has been a good bit of business, probably. Yeah. I think that might be their best business of the summer. Yeah. Apart from apart from Aidan McAdams, really. But uh, Air United reinforcing in the right areas. They've got a good, experienced, a uh, coaching team there. Know the leagues. Uh, signed half of Mort, half of Morton's team, so they they obviously know the league. Um, and it's and but the, but with that is that players that are coming in that are trusted by the managers. So that's always a good sign. Call Marmot Water. How have they ended up here? Got the too big to go down. Of Scottish football. A few years ago, like with Steve Clark and uh, Europe and Andrew. Maybe they don't like to talk about Europe, but yeah, they got to Europe at least. We could do a whole podcast and the media reaction to Angelo Alessio being blamed for this, like two years after he left, which was and they were sitting which was fifth way, in the league and they had one of the best defensive yeah, records. Genuinely disgraceful. Yeah, and we wonder why. Uh, uh, calibre foreign coaches and foreign players might not find Scotland to be an attractive destination. And you also wonder why the mainstream media is so, at times, looked down upon in Scottish football when people actually spend the time listening to us because of that as well. But anyway, sorry, earlier we're talking um, about Kilmarnock. And then I think the part of the, the issues with Kilmarnock is that the... the the, your guys in the media, like your Chris Boyds, etc., don't really want to point the blame where I think everyone knows it was. And for me, that was with kind of like the guys that had been there a while, your Alan Powers, your Kurt Broadfoots, maybe having, not wanting to play for managers, maybe a bit of a boys' club in the dressing room. They've now left. I've been really, really impressed with Kilmarnock's recruitment. Really impressed, bringing in... I think they've actually got a better squad now than they did last season. Uh, I think... Uh, Danny Armstrong, great yeah. addition yeah. from Wraith Rovers. He's one of the players that you would have wanted to pick up if you were coming into the championship. Uh, the only other one I think would have been a more attractive prospect would have been a, a Reagan Hendry, someone of that calibre. Mm-hmm. Scott Robinson from Livingston, I was really impressed every time I saw him. He has that kind of talismanic, mm-hmm. uh, every time he gets the ball you think something is yeah. going to happen. You can have quite a kind of unorthodox approach at times which can throw off defenders as well. Yeah, absolutely. Liam Polworth. Could have easily got a club. If, if he turned up at, say, Hibs or something, no one would have really bad an yeah. eye. Uh, Blair Alston, 
uh, abandoning the Falkirk project uh, one season yep. into it. I'm not surprised he was too good to be there. Yeah. Uh, Blair Alston's a weird player for me. I'm not sure where his best position is. But because of that, he can play multiple positions and that's what, when you come down into the Championship, you need guys to fill in multiple yep. roles. Jason Naismith from Ross County at right back, another great signing. Ewan Murray, talk about your pick of the, another player that you, you, you could hand pick. It's like a game of Championship manager at times. <laughs> and well, you just pick the, the kind of players you would want. Stephen McGinn adding steel in the middle of the park, an experienced head. Fraser Murray, you know, these are all guys that have played at a good level, they've got experience, and it's like a fresh slate for Kilmarnock with probably, in my opinion, the best manager in the Championship and Tommy Wright as well. Yeah, absolutely. Even though he's not been in the Championship, I still completely agree with you. Um, so you're fancying Kilmarnock? And the I think you are going to do a wee surprise, maybe. Oh, for, really? Oh. Maybe 1-0 or 2-1 for air. I wouldn't actually be surprised by that. A lot of expectation for Kilmarnock, and obviously they've brought in all these players, but they've not had a lot, a lot of time to play. Did kind of struggle in that League Cup group as well. Yeah, they, yeah. Uh, only beat, they only, only beat in Clyde uh, 2-1, I believe it was. 2-1. East Colbride struggled there as well. It'll take a while for Kilmarnock to get going, but I think... Uh, like what we're talking about, it's easy to get motivated for the games to get motivated for. Yeah. This game means more for their United and their fans and their players than it will for the for these guys that come on. I've got a question for each of you before we move on, if that's all right. Go for it. For Ali, do you think that United will finish any higher than ninth? Any higher than ninth? Mm-hmm. I do, yeah. Interesting. Who's saying our both are going to get relegated? Who's saying our both are going to get relegated? Who's, who's saying our both are going to get relegated? Not me, I don't think. I, I, I wasn't threatening. What accusations are you throwing out? No, I, don't, I actually don't think... I actually think Aero are in trouble this season, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Anyone saying that both are going to get relegated if they have watched with us Oh, absolutely. You think so? I think that Morton are sure they go down. I think... I, I can understand Morton. I don't understand their being brought into I think they've just got slightly enough quality. Our both were always going to be in the talks purely because they're the last part-time team mm-hmm. in, the, in the division. So, if you didn't see this interview with Dick Campbell or read about it, uh, Dick Campbell was talking about how difficult it is to attract uh, part-time players yep. these days. He said that even guys that aren't starting every week for full-time teams in the same leagues, they're offering them sometimes in uh, some cases more money than what they're on the now. Sometimes they're, they're, they're being offered slightly less and the players just they just don't want to go part-time. So that means that uh, for this season, and it, it could be a COVID thing because this hasn't really been an issue as long as I can remember. Like, there's mm-hmm. always been a lot of guys going part-time, which I'm sure we'll talk about mm-hmm. with, with Cove. But the it, it then meant that he was saying basically all the teams are basically operating in a limited pool and that pool is basically already who's part-time. So everybody's working in the same pool, in the same network that everyone knows. And he was just kind of basically saying, in terms of our growth, he's not going to offer people deals for good money that aren't going to improve his squad. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And aren't going to add anything to the team. So therefore it's hard to attract players because if you're the, which are both are, in my opinion, the best run part-time team in the country, you've now hit a roof. Yeah. And you have to try and kind of guy, uh, you have to try and pick players up from other yes. slightly better part-time teams 
but as we all know with part-time football, like are both trying to pick players up from, for, for example, Alloa. It's just not going to happen yeah. because of travel and etc. So it's been, it was quite an interesting uh, interview from the the Godfather. Because the, the, the other side of that is as well when you're talking about operating a pillar part-time players. There's Western Scotland League clubs and Lowland League clubs offering more money than some SPFL part-time clubs are. Yeah. So you, again, you're then that that pool gets even smaller. So. Well, what we need to do is look at um, you know some of the the kind of moves that are happening in regards to player movements. In the West of Scotland League, for example, you know, just I think at the time of recording today, I think it was announced David Gold was signed on at Darvel. Is that who they were that's announcing? Who, that's who they were announcing. That's how they broke the internet. Ross was obviously in transit when this move was announced, whilst Alistair and I were sitting here playing PlayStation, um, doing all our research. I mean, that. that's wild. Um, what, a, what a piece of business. Um, but no, I completely understand. And I think probably that puts pressure on managers and coaches more than it ever has before because yeah. the finite resources and now what you could maybe call a finite pool of talent is that every decision they make if it was scrutinised before it's going to get even more scrutinised um, and like I say we're going to be talking about this so much more as the season goes on um, but yeah very interesting interview if you've not seen it like Ali says right guys League One kicking off on Saturday obviously we are very invested, well we're invested in every division because we love you all, but we're very invested in League One. Um, obviously, I need to do it. I'll do it, right, I'll do it. I'll, I'll take the heavy hit. Clyde against Dumbarton, uh, the game that we'll most likely be at um, on Saturday. Um, probably the two sides that you could argue at the moment on paper that are going to be fighting it out at the bottom of the table. Um, obviously from a Clyde perspective hoping that's not the case however we do try and be as <laughs> pragmatic realist as possible um, I think that Clyde really really need to go off to a good start and win and what is hopefully going to be in front of a, a decent um, a decent atmosphere and a decent crowd at Broadwood Ali obviously Ross and I have spoke about Clyde an awful lot throughout pre-season and on podcasts and stuff like that. How are you feeling about this first game of the season? That's it. That's the response. <laughs> I don't really think you could have picked a worse opening game. Yeah. Personally, I think it's going to be, and this is nothing against Dumbarton fans, I think it's going to be a game being played between two poor teams that are going to that that are both going to have an eye on each other. Every and the fans are going to be looking at each other's results every single week to see what's happening. I think it's going to be. I think obviously that it's going to be the teams that are at the bottom of the league. I don't really see any other argument about that. Clyde this season doing something a wee bit different. Danny Lennon uh, went on a, a bizarre rambling about a cake for a while and how if you keep using the same ingredients to say, make the same cake, then you're always going to have the same cake. Yep. But he didn't like the cake that was being made, so he wanted to make a new cake, so he's getting some new ingredients in. Because he couldn't get the, the island? Because he couldn't get the island uh, of bakers. Uh, I, I don't know what he was talking about, but... Uh, so lost. He was... Uh, yeah, so he was we'll send you, we'll send you. This season he was talking about how he's making a new cake with new ingredients, so he could have a different cake. But he didn't know if all the ingredients were going to work together. 
Uh, so he doesn't know what cake he's going to end up with. So we've signed Rob Jones from Dumbarton uh, as a target man for an option for an option B, and we've signed. I think he's just to jump in there. Sorry, Ali. I think he's been made out to be a scapegoat already, and I don't think that's fair at all. I think that some of the positive contributions that he's made in some of the games I've seen over pre-season and in the League Cup, um, you know, you can imagine him and Goodwillie working well together. Obviously, get a good goal at East Kilbride as well. Cracking photo as well, very good photo opportunity. Um, oh, you mean Rob Jones? Sorry, I thought you meant Danny Lennon was being made out to be a scapegoat. Oh, right, no, no. Um, no, 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 I, I agree. Because you see some of the, the criticism that's already coming in for Rob Jones. Yeah, yeah, I, no, he, the criticism coming in for Rob Jones is bizarre. Like, I've, I watched a couple of the, the, the League Cup games and I thought he, he, he played well. There was a moment against uh, Stringra where he, he done a step over and double chopped a defender in the box and then had the goal scheming and he just decided to try and square it to nobody. But he is someone, he's, he's a striker who needs people around him to work for him, but also kind of see him as a guy who needs a lot of like confidence. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really seem to kind of believe in his own ability. I think there's a player there. I think it's an option B. He's not, he wouldn't have been my first pick. He's not by any means one of the worst players we could have signed for that role. Uh, and there's been some, uh, and, and Danny Lennon uh, has questions have been asked to him as well regarding mm-hmm. recruitment. Um, it's kind of difficult because Clyde are in a position where they don't have a great budget. But, I mean, Gomez, Margaro Gomez is a good sign. Um, Adam Livingston coming back solid enough. Yep, yep. Uh, I think the signing of a uh, Kennedy in Splain could be huge. It may not work out, but it's a it's, it's a gamble. I really I really like uh, both those players, Kennedy and Splain. It'll take a while for them to kind of work it all together, but the it's the same tale for Clyde time and time again. Uh, it, going forward, they look really good defensively, incredibly poor, and it's like having a a Rolls Royce engine and a, <laughs> and a and a and an old Skoda at the moment. Like, it doesn't matter what you've, you, the foundations need to be good. Uh, and for Clyde right now, they don't have good foundations, especially at the back and kind of through can the spine. Can I make three points on this? And I, I don't want to spend too much longer talking about Clyde because I'm conscious that that will get biased on that. My first one is a question: with the insinuation is that Danny Lennon wasn't happy with the cake ingredients, would that be last season dip? A vast majority of the recruitment was young players from the old firm Colts teams or from the old firm themselves. Is that the insinuation that was made? I believe the insinuation is that he brought he brought players in to try and play a specific way and that wasn't working. Probably the lack of experience point as well. Yeah, okay. So then Clyde went out and bought guys that have played predominantly in League Two for the last couple of years and more young players. So the the recruitment question for me is completely valid of not just Danny Lennon but the recruitment set up at Clyde. The second point was on Rob Jones. I said I can't remember if it was on Grant's uh, Grant's podcast. I'm talking more league last week. I think that anybody criticising Rob Jones just now for not being a goal scorer is requiring help. Rob Jones was not signed to score the I mean of goals that David Goodbelly does. Rob Jones was signed to be a nuisance for defenders to knock defenders about to make an option for somebody to play off of Goodbully because the dependency last season especially on Goodbully was he dropped so far into midfield that he became completely ineffectual 
for me, Jones is there now to make Goodwillie have to sit right on the last shoulder of the defenders and be there to win, you know, Jones to win flick on to plenty of Goodwillie. That's why he's there. It was said by Dumbarton fans, I think Clyde fans really should have if they haven't already accepted Jones' decision-making is questionable, but as you see, Ali, there's a player in there is getting to know what the right role is for him and how to work to his strengths. And that'll take time. I, I, I just... I find at times criticism that comes Clyde's way and Clyde, specifically players' way is unjustified and incredibly unnecessary, especially at this stage of the season. I'll, I'll give every player at Clyde a chance and I'll make judgments about November, December, once I've seen enough of it. Yeah. The, 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 just, I know I talk about Clyde quite a lot, but the only comeback for that I would say would be so far, we've not seen Rob Jones playing a two with Goodwillie. Yes, that's, that's the big thing. The issue has been that when Rob Jones comes on, we force Goodwillie out wide. Yes. Which seems to be, again, Danny Lennon going back to what he, the way he wants to play and trying to fit players in rather than actually trying to change it. Just play them in a two. If they're going to bring Rob Jones on, play them in a two. Goodwillie will work better in a two. Rob Jones will work better in a two. It's not particularly yeah. difficult. And I think Saturday will be a a big indication of the direction in which both clubs are going to go yes. um, this season as well. Um, right, let's try and rattle through a wee bit more in League One before League Two. Um, obviously, Ali, you mentioned them before, Cove Rangers, they're at home to Falkirk. I think quite a lot of people are seeing this as the kind of top two going up against it. Um, how do you see this one going, Ross? I stupidly last week backed Falkirk to win the league. I'm going to three sixteen. That I'm, I'm, I have to. Three sixteen again. Oh, already. The, a ball hasn't even been. Kicked. We're doing the same with Hamilton. So if you three sixty, you're just picking Falkirk again. One eighty then. Sorry, is what I meant. Yes. Clearly. Okay. <laughs> Brilliant. Cove. I, I'm saying that Cove just will win League One. Is what I'm saying. Right. Well. And, and whatever. Degree or angle that that means I'm doing it. I'm saying it was right, right. Like, so whether it's three sixty or one eighty, they're winning league one, and you think they're going to win on Saturday? They were winning Saturday. Yes, definitely. League one wise, is there anything else you would like to talk about? That sounded very much good. like I was asking you, like one of the most emotional questions you're ever going to get asked. Peter to be Alwa. Discuss. Uh, well, the two things I'd want to discuss is uh, Cove Rangers recruitment. It's ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> What, are you, is, that, is, so this, is this you referencing the is this you referencing the three year deal for thirty four year old Shea Logan thirty four year old Shea Logan or is so good and so stupid at the same time <laughs> <laughs> it is ridiculous but isn't it like it's it a three year deal for, and I believe Vigers and Draper get a three year deal as well what I think so eh? I believe they they all get three year deals and like see to be honest fair enough go for it see if they're going to go for it just go for absolutely. it but I mean. You, Quickly looking through the arrivals, I mean Morgan Neal from Dumbarton, good sign. Great, somebody who we really great desperately sign. wanted at Clyde, I'm sure. Vigors and Draper coming into the league to be the best midfielders available. Yeah. Kyle Gurley, great keeper. Uh, Shea Logan, they've just bought themselves the probably the best fullback in the league. Uh, and a great heating and gas engineer apparently. Robbie Leach, great sign. <laughs> but it's really fun. Because I, I, like, I, like, I like Ross Draper, I like Ian Vigers, Shea Logan's a great signing. I, I, I like him as well. Three-year deals is ridiculous, but it's fun. So it I is like fun, it. it is fun. And I think that is what Cove are going to be this season. Um, and I do think that's why they're going to beat Falkirk. Um, 
on the opening day. Um, very quickly, Ross asked, do you think Peter Heather going to beat Alwa on Saturday? Do you well, think that's going to happen? Well, I wanted to talk about Alwa because, for obvious reasons. <laughs> but it's for anybody who has been listening to the podcast or who's new to the podcast, thanks and thanks for wasting your time with us. Ross Gray has already spoken about Barry Ferguson's Alwa, which is what they're going to be called now, obviously, thanks to Go Radio and others. Um, now, Alistair Sloss talking about a Barry Ferguson team is on another planet in comparison, so even though we have to be as quick as we possibly can, because we've still got a lot to get through, I would love to hear your thoughts on Alwa so far. Um, the recruitment has been interesting. Okay. Um, it's diplomatic of you. Connor Salmon, one of the few guys that is when... I like that you started laughing before you even said that. It's <laughs> not off to a good start. Connor Salmon <laughs> is one of the few guys who's went full-time and part-time, right? He is not worth the money I know that they're paying him. Um, I think that Daniel Church coming in, interesting. Jordan Armstrong, Ben Armour, Mark Dunning, Adam King, Craig Howie, Mark Lamont, Stephen Boyd. Davy Hutton signed. These It's a mixed bag in there. It's a mixed bag. There's some players like Mark Lamont, I'm surprised he went mm-hmm. to our uh David Hutton, surprised. I think uh, Howie will Howie will be a good signing. Howie will be a good signing. Connor Salmon, I think some maybe a wee bit of a waste. But what I want to talk about is is Barry Ferguson gonna of le- is, is, has he learned his lesson? Has Kiwi changed him? Do you see him sticking with these guys, or do you see him getting to January, kind of spitting the dummy out a wee bit and bringing in new guys as he had done previously when he was at Clyde in League Two? And fair enough, that was a long time ago. He's a rookie manager, but my question is: Is the appointment of Barry Ferguson and Bob Malcolm a step too far for them at this point? from an Alwa point of view, considering they'll be looking to bounce back into the Championship. Is this a case of it was a better move for Ferguson and Malcolm than it was for Alwa? They've got more to gain, and Alwa have got a lot more to lose. I don't know, because I think Ferguson was onto something good at Kelty. So I, I don't know. I think that probably Alwa will have caveated Ferguson's appointment with, you can't come in and every six months do either that Clyde and just have a massive squad turnover. They, po- they probably don't have the money having dropped out of the Championship, and that is very assumptuous. I mean, that is the case, and I'll put my hands up and apologise for that. But See, to be honest, Ross, I'd be, I've got a funny feeling they'll give him full free reign. I think so. I yep. genuinely think they will. I think that is the caveat of getting Barry Ferguson, as he has to be in charge of pretty much everything. See, all joking aside, right, because we've spoken a lot about Barry Ferguson, obviously, on the podcast since we started it. I genuinely hope, from a lower league perspective, that he has learned his lessons from Clyde and obviously done a good job with um, Kelty Hearts, getting them up and stuff like that. Brought in some great players, obviously players that are championship level. So they were expected to go up, which they did, obviously, and he delivered that and fair play to him. I genuinely hope he has learned his lessons and if they're sitting just outside the playoffs in January or they're struggling or whatever, that he doesn't then rip it up and go out and bring in another seven or eight players. Because yeah. we know that approach very rarely works. Um, so I'm really hoping, I genuinely, all joking aside, I really hope that um, he has learned his lessons. Am I convinced? Not really. To be honest, is what I'm going to say. See, when I was saying earlier on that the League One top four picks itself, the only reason I didn't put Alo in there was because of Barry Ferguson and Bob Malcolm. And I know you were talking about Kyoto, 
he if he hadn't delivered, then his managerial career would have been over. Yeah. Like, the, the, that, I think Dylan thing. said this last week, Ali. It's the same thing here. He's probably got more to lose here than he did having Kelly a season in League Two. Yeah. If he now bombs this, I think that's Ferguson at any level in the SPFL. Done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with you. I actually think he would make a fantastic coach somewhere. Yeah. I, I, so, I think yeah, I said, said that, that for a long time. I think he's got all the attributes of a good coach. I just don't think he's. Maybe not fair to say. I don't think he's got in it. Maybe a, a good man-to-man manager. Yeah. No, I agree with you there. When he falls out with a player, that's it done. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And he needs someone to kinda I think he's a very emotional, reactive guy and he needs someone there to kinda ground him and maybe yeah. take that decision away from him and uh, Bob Malcolm's not that guy. No, no, Bob I don't Malcolm is I believe what they call a facilitator. <laughs> An enabler of some of Very, said. very good use of very good term there to describe Bob. <laughs> Amongst other things. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, on that, and on that note, I think it's time we move on to League Two. Ross, you seen this? Ross! Ross, you seen... What, what, what is it? What is it? What is it you're doing? I'm trying to listen to the latest episode of Campbell's Football's podcast. What's that? It's a podcast with Dr. Grant Campbell where he talks about all things Scottish football. That's actually pretty good. Who's on it this week? There's two arseholes for some podcast called Talking Lower League. They're making them wild and just obscene predictions about the SPFL Championship League 1 and League 2. Is it on Spotify? Where can you get it? It's everywhere that you consume your, spot, your podcast, Alistair. Bring me a line. I will. Listen to Dr. Grant Campbell's football podcast. Right, oh! <laughs> <laughs> she not even fizzing, what the fuck is that? It's a sort of non Maybe that decent chance that you will witness that. Can you please clap that in? Are you emotionally stable enough to continue, or do we have to call it a night? Or? I'm okay, carry on. You're okay? I'm okay. Right. Scottish League 2. Um, I sounded a bit like the guy who goes on Juliet's soccer special with us to go Scottish League 2 results. Um, the old video printer voice. <laughs> Teletext. Yeah. Um, right, really only one place to start. Um, spoke about them quite a bit when I was talking about Alawa. Kelly Hart's at home to Cowdenbeath. Ross and I have both tipped Cowdenbeath to be in a bit of trouble this season, despite the emotional reunion of the return of Buchanan. We've also spoken about the fact that I think that Kevin Thompson is the real deal. Um, you were going to say Kevin Rukovich here? I was, uh, who knows what I was going to say there. I'm so glad I managed to pull that back. Um, Why do you say Kevin Thompson's the real deal? I just think that any time I've, I've heard him speak, he's come across really well. I really like kind of the methodology and the way that he coaches. A lot of people genuinely believe in him and, and obviously done a lot of good things at Rangers as well and I think that even the very early signs at Kelty this season and when I've seen them during the, the League Cup campaign they seem really good and that's why I genuinely think that this could be a real statement victory for them potentially um, and yeah I, I fancy them to obviously be up there at the end of the season as well um, yeah but I think they'll they'll do very well on Saturday I think they will as well uh, I do. 
Kevin Thompson's obviously an unknown quantity, someone who is obviously coming from that Rangers youth setup with a huge reputation. Uh, I also remember a, a certain John Bomber Brown <laughs> coming from the Rangers youth setup with a very big reputation. Never in a million years thought I would hear John Bomber Brown and Kevin but Thompson both in the. What, what I found interesting is since uh, Thompson's came in, the recruitment at Kiwi's been a bit different. And that says to me maybe one or two things has happened. Kevin Thompson wants to do things a bit differently. Or Barry Ferguson was bankrolling the whole thing. We even took a break and Barry is back Just in saying. the conversation. Barry um, in the mind. But it is interesting because like, you look at the players that have came in for Kiwi, there's only maybe two players that you would think while they might be a wee bit below their level are Joe Cardo and Jamie Barry Jonas I believe Bar Jonas. Yeah. Bar Jonas. Uh Bar Jonas is a weird one he's kind of been about a wee bit and never really excelled anywhere but you wouldn't you wouldn't expect him to turn up at League 2 at you know, this point in his career maybe a season at League 1 or whatever but I mean apart from that it's Voti uh, Biabi played for Stenny last season mm -hmm. didn't really Excel, but made a good account for himself. Uh, Jordan Forster and uh, Reese Peggy and Alfie Argyman coming in, both of them from the Lowland League. Uh, and the thing about all this, those guys coming in as well, and Barionis, is that they're young guys. Yeah. And I think that's <clears throat> going to kind of be maybe Kevin Thompson's mantra is going to be get these guys in. Maybe give them a good deal. You can maybe move them on for a bit of money. But I also think, from his experience working at Rangers, I think younger players are easier to manage when you're at the start of your career because you're not coming up against kind of more experienced guys who might be setting their ways or have certain ideas about how things should be done, etc. And I find it very interesting, just that complete and utter difference. And it's literally been one transfer window. <laughs> Yeah. The the difference between Kiwi and uh under Kevin Thompson and Barry Ferguson. I actually do expect them to be up the the kind of top end of the table as well, Dylan. Yeah, absolutely. Ross, two sides that you think will be up at the top end of the table as well. Face off on Saturday. Smash hit movie face off. Um, Stenhouse Muir at home to Stalin. Is that is that us getting is that us getting sued or That's it. If you just it was a, it's Barry Ferguson's lawyer. Well, it's Barry Ferguson's goal radio saying you guys are never coming on. A message from a, for legal reasons, all I could say is a B Malcolm. Sorry, that's actually a wee bit too obvious. It's, a, it's a Bob N. Blair Malcolm. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just leave it We'll leave it there, um, like you say, for for uh, legal and safety reasons. Um, Steny at home to Stull and Albion. Two sides that you think will be fighting at the top of League 2. I agree with you. You really buy into the Stephen Swift project at Steny. I think we do as well. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously Stirling Albion, I think this is a fantastic opportunity for them to finally potentially lift the title. Has this got draw written all over it or what do you think? I, I'm going all in. I'm going to say, I don't think it'll be a big win, but I think Steny will just sneak it. Um, I think that, as, as I've said last week, I think that these two teams will try and play some good attacking football. Um, I think that they'll both see this as really the season to go, kind of almost hell for leather for it and go for the title. So I, 
as I say, a rate still in Albion, I think they'll be very much in the mix. Um, but I think the Estonia might just do this one. I just think they've got. I just think they've got a wee bit more in their squad. Some of the players have signed like that. A lot of guys that <clears throat> Stephen Swift knows and have kind of similar attributes to the squad that they had at BSC Glasgow previously. So I yeah, I think Estonia will win, but just yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think that could potentially be up there for kind of fixture of the weekend for yeah. me actually. Yeah. Um, across the the SPFL. Um, before we get on to a chat about the price of lower league football, which, yet again, we could spend a whole podcast on, and we might actually, if this goes down there. Um, obviously, one that's sticking out for me, Ali, as well as Albion Rovers at home to Edinburgh City. Edinburgh City, probably another side that maybe we've not spoken quite a lot about. Obviously, done relatively okay under um, Gary Naismith last season were disappointing in the playoffs um, and I don't know, I've just got a feeling that maybe they I, I, it wouldn't surprise me obviously if they ended up in the playoffs this season at all, I think that's where they should be aiming I'm not sure whether they'll be in that kind of top two fight as maybe they have been in the last few years I agree with you there the, the, the performance in the playoffs was was kind of embarrassing yeah. I think uh, Ross Forbes put on an absolute masterclass in that uh, in that game. Edinburgh City, it's always really, really hard to kind of judge them, I feel. Because my heart always wants to say like they're kind of in that last position. They're in that same position that Falkirk are in, where you would think, like, this year. Yep. And with Airdrie, where it's like, this year. You could say the same for Elgin, the amount of years they've been in League 2 as yeah, well, and we yeah. can say, nah, surely it's going to be this year. Um, but they need they need to get guys in that can get them over the line, and I believe they've now lost uh, Blair Henderson and Conrad Balatoni, are, are two big losses uh, for them. I think uh, Henderson, maybe not playing as much recently, but he, he, when you only can score goals they need to get guys that can come in and get them over that line and they need to really really be consistent and, and again kind of like the opposite of what we saw uh, what we're talking about with other teams I found Edinburgh City to disappoint in the games that it should have been really easy to get themselves kind of hyped up for the big yeah. games they kind of disappeared a wee bit and that's the same with the playoffs they kind of disappeared in those big moments the change in manager, Gary Naismith, a guy who's obviously got his five promoted, he knows, he knows he's been there, he's done nice, a good guy to have at the head, but the players really, really need to kind of play, get themselves kind of sighted up and not really get in their own heads too much in the big games, because in the wee games, and not, not that there is any wee games, but in the, in the kind of games you expect them to kind of win, they do really, really well. So nice bit of backtracking there. Yeah, I, thought, <laughs> I know. Right guys, um, Obviously, it's been great. Looking forward to the weekend, and I'm sure we'll have plenty more to discuss about the results um, next week as well. But for the final part of this week's podcast, we're going to have a quick chat about the price of lower league football. There's been quite a lot of kind of social media discussion around this. Obviously, with clubs releasing their season ticket prices as well as their kind of walk up on the day, you know, prices as well. Um, so let's have a quick chat about that. 
the reason I wanted to talk about this is because there was a, I think it was a mix between like Airdrie fans and Clyde fans mm-hmm. and a few others all mixing in on, on Twitter, you know, people we know and people that listen to the podcast, which is fantastic. So we thought that we could have a quick chat about this before we wrap up this week. People listen to this? Sorry? People listen to this show? I don't. I, I thought you were in charge of that stuff. I, I just do it, I don't look. Right, so the price of Scottish Lower League football, um, to anybody listening or watching, um, the discussion seemed to be that I think, for example, Ali, I think um, you correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, I think, for example, Clyde, obviously the, the club we support, um, what is it, 18 quid walk up prices to get into the games? 17, 17, sorry. Um, Morton, I'm sure, is 20 quid as well. Um, I think Airdrie is something like 18, 19 yeah, quid. Um, I think I, that was how the I discussion think started. As well. I think the caveat to that was their streams are 15 pounds as well as. As well as the, the walk-up the, the price. Walk-up price. Right, okay. Um, uh, yeah, and I think Clyde's was like 12 quid over the course yeah. of last season. Um, yeah, again, we could spend a whole podcast on this, and we might actually further down the line, um, but we'll just have a quick chat about this before we wrap up. Um, Ross, might seem like an obvious one, um, but is lower league football in Scotland too expensive, and is it putting people off? Yes and yes. I think that, especially for the first weekend post-Covid that clubs should be doing everything they can to get as many people within reason with the capacity limits into their grounds and if that means that for one game you drop your ticket prices, you do kids go free, you do whatever it is you get people through the door and over the course of the last year and however many months now, people have lost jobs people have had significantly reduced income you know, and we, we've been talking about this since we started and even before that how excited we all are. That, that feeling is shared by football fans up and down the country. Now, come five o'clock on Saturday night, a lot of people, probably us included, are not going to feel like that. <laughs> but the excitement that comes back to that, seeing your friends, seeing people, you know, getting to see your team properly, not on a laptop screen, not on a phone screen, whatever it is. Clubs should be taking absolute advantage of that. And they are taking advantage of fans, but not in a positive sense. They are taking the piss with prices, in my opinion. I feel that League One clubs in particular... The price for League One football is shocking. I don't feel that there's many teams in League One, if any, that can really justify that. No, no, I agree. I think Falkirk was always the example, wasn't it, last season? It was Fal- it- Falkirk in the first season I could understand because they came down for the Championship. There was still that allure of we're, we're probably going to bounce back. Yep. They're now, what, season three yep. in, in League One? It's, it's shocking. It is, and I think that... The, I know it's a kind of default argument that people often come back to is... If, for example, you've got people who maybe aren't traditionally football fans or who live in the local area and want to do something, whether it's themselves or their partner or their kids or whatever it is, they'll look at that, the pricing structure on the websites, and they'll be like, that's like, I'm anywhere between 50 to 100 quid potentially, depending on who's going. Like just, just to get in, never mind on top of all the other costs. And we've discussed this on previous podcasts over the last season or two as well. Um, I know covid Ali's been used as a kind of excuse, I guess. Um, and I get it is justifiable, but when rightly Ross raises the points about the impact that COVID's had on people's livelihoods and, and things like that, where do you stand with the kind of pricing? It's, it's atrocious. The pricing's absolutely disgusting. They, to be, I'm not pulling my punches. The Scottish national team is going to be £20, £25 for the qualifiers going forward. 
why it would you pay eighteen, twenty pounds to see Morton, ALJ Clyde, when you can go and see the best players in the world mm. for a couple of quid more? The the the, the the teams can use COVID as an excuse all they want. The the problem with football prices is quite it's quite simple. I feel uh, Scotland has two golden gooses laying all the eggs. Uh, every TV deal has to be negotiated around the old firm. The media revolves around the old firm. Take a look at Premier, Premier Sports, for example, buying the League Cup rights and then not knowing what to do when Rangers and Celtic weren't in the semi-finals, you know what I mean? And the issue with that is, to young fans and fans of a certain age, if the media, the TV, uh, the SFA, everyone tells you that the buck stops with the old firm and you make them out to be the biggest thing in the country, and the boat and the be all and end all for Scottish football, then there's no attraction to go and see a League One or a League Two game. Because you would rather sit at home and watch Rangers and Celtic, or you'd rather watch the English Premier League or whatever. And then the issue becomes that clubs have to then charge more and more and more. And like see Clyde won't be the only team in this position. During COVID, I'm sure a lot of teams lost a lot of fans. And it, at times it was absolutely heartbreaking to see like, guys that you've known from, like, for me, when, since I was 11. You can't see them about the ground. And that'll be the case all over. But there's not people to come in and take those seats. And then, and the reason for that, again, is the media make the old firm out to be so important and the be-all and end-all in Scottish football. So then the clubs have to charge more because they have to make more money off the fans that they actually have. Mm -hmm. And then the fans that they actually have aren't happy about it because you're having to fork out more money to see substandard football. And like, yeah, like if you're a fan of Brecon uh, last season, for example, you're paying a lot of money to watch a team that you know are struggling and not mm -hmm. playing well. But you do it out of habit. And there's some boards out there and some teams out there that will take advantage of their fans no matter what. And they'll run the club. And they'll uh, their money will be so important. But we need to get away from this idea that lower league football isn't real football and something of a of like a sideshow, yeah. like a freak show kind of thing, like a freak fight, like a, a Jake Paul kind of weird freak <laughs> fight thing, you know what can I mean? Can I just jump in with two points on that, Alex? See, just to kind of add on to the point you made about the national team, I saw somebody reply to the tweet that was the genesis of this conversation, saying their season ticket at Norwich, who are obviously playing in the Premier League this year, equates to, I think it was about £26 per game. And that's for Premier League football. You're watching some of we can talk about the merits of English Premier League another time. But that big, big teams for may, realistically what, about seven, eight quid more than you're paying to see League One football in Scotland. I mean, yeah. really. It's the other thing for me is down there, I think it was you that made the point. See if I'm a family of two adults and two kids, and I'm going to, I've seen a couple of times you're going to see Clyde, and I'm not getting change out of 30, 40 quid before I went into the club shop. Kids want to buy a football top or a scarf or whatever. Say it is two scarves, they're not getting changed really out of 10, 15 quid. If, maybe for a top as well, that's obviously even more. You then need to feed them and then go and watch the game. But they're potentially probably not going to enjoy it at that level. Or you could go and pay 40 quid to go to the cinema that you know they'll enjoy and want to do again. 
that, that feeds into that thing you're saying, Ali, that you're not getting that repeat customer, you're not encouraging people to come back in. Yeah. That there needs to be a better product on the pitch, which feeds into itself, that's just a natural part of football, but there's no encouragement to bring people, if they come in once, to come back. There's yeah. nothing. But team, teams need to have a unique selling point. Yeah. And uh, we've spoke about this before. You go to Germany and watch the football. It's an all day event, it's an experience. You go to the football here and it's kind of feels like a soulless. Get you in, take your money, get you at the door at yep. home. And like kind of what you were talking about as well, in terms of travelling to the game, let's not pretend that Scotrail, first bus, etc. don't have kind of an issue to play in this as well. Like they make it pretty difficult yeah. to go and see like your, your teams that I mean I live in I live in Glasgow and like a train ticket from Glasgow to Croy for me to see Clyde I believe is now seven, eight pounds at return. Like that is you know a lot of money. If I want to go to Edinburgh it's that's fifteen quid maybe. It's the whole it's the whole thing to be honest guys and that's why I say we could have a whole podcast in this and maybe we should if people want to actually hear it and let us know. Because um, it'd be quite interesting to get different people's individual perspectives on this as well, not just the conversation that was going on in social media. I think to try and wrap it up, I think that there has to be more collaboration, not just between the governing bodies and the clubs, but between the clubs themselves. You know, if it is, you know, whoever you're going to see on Saturday, they could come together and, and be like, right, well, you know, it's going to do a tenner, a tenner for an adult to get in, you know three, four quid for a, a child or free for a child as we've discussed before, something like that. Even if it is just for the first game of the season and the last game of the season, it's a start. Yeah. It's a start. But I do think over the over the course there does have to be greater collaboration. We've moaned about the SFA for so long. Fair play to them for lowering the prices for the competitive games for Scotland. Cause a year ago or two years ago it would have been thirty five, forty quid to go to the, the games in September. Now you know, for the kind of, you know, the main stand, the north stand, for example, it's twi- I'm getting a ticket for 20 quid. Do you know what I mean? I know it's not much, but it, they can clearly see, and they're getting praise for it as well. I think other clubs, where possible, have to try and do that. And last, but certainly not least, and, and we seem to end every podcast by, uh, <laughs> by bringing this up, maybe some of the SPFL clubs should look to the West of Scotland League for some inspiration when it comes to getting people in the door, the experience of the day and the pricing as well. Um, and I think that is quite a decent way to wrap up this week's Talking Lower League. Like I say, we could go on forever, and hopefully we will, um, but we just can't tonight. Um, Stop telling people things are shite and then being surprised they don't want to get involved in it. I thought what That's I said it. was decent to finish, and even better That's a way it. to finish. Ross, as ever, thank you so much. Ali, all joking aside, brilliant to have you back in person for the three of us to be back in person for the first time since, like I said, February or March 2020. Um, it feels brilliant. Like I say, we've got so many great plans for the season ahead. Well, we think we're great. You guys will tell us ultimately. Mind you, Ross says nobody's listening, so none of this matters. Um, but thank you in all seriousness for all your support, all your feedback for last week's episode. Like I say, we're trying some things differently. We're going to try, you know, keep trying things and see how it goes um, so let us know any questions feedback you've got for us um, and especially if you're watching on YouTube which we're trying to put a bit more effort into um, as well make sure to like and subscribe please and hit that wee bell you know the wee bell because if you like the bell rumour has it 
that a bell automatically appears in your home. So any time that we post stuff, like it doesn't matter, three in the morning, it could be anything that could wake your whole family up, your bell will go off. So, I mean, we've already got ours. Has it affected your life much? You've woken me up twice already off it. But None of that matters because you're getting this content, right? So um, any support would be would be much appreciated. <laughs> <laughs>